0: Everybody and welcome to another episode of Paul and All. As always, I'm your host, Paul Casey, and joining me today, one of my favorite people to talk with. Go ahead and reintroduce yourself, sir.
1: Oh, it's the Raging Bull. It's Zach.
0: So, of course, if Zach is here, you know what that means. You probably know by the title, we're going to be talking about wrestling. Um,. We are going to be talking this time about the uh, continuing on with the WCPW Pro Wrestling World Cup. This time it's the Canadian qualifying round. And I have to say, I don't know about you, Zach, I mean, I've been into, like, the British scene, partially because of WCPW, and uh, and I don't want to sound like a hipster, but I was kind of there before a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are just getting into them now because WWE is doing certain things with the British and whatever, but I gotta say, these Canadian uh, stars impressed me a lot, like, a lot more than I thought was gonna happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I saw, I mean, they were mostly new faces for me, so... Uh, I was impressed by a lot of them. I have a couple of people from the show that I'm, I'm willing to, you know, follow.
0: And I bet you I know who they are, but we'll get into that as we, as we go through, uh, uh, the episode. Um, which I guess we should just kind of get started right into, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, very first match. Big Mike, Michael Elgin, who I have actually seen, I had seen him once or twice, uh, he was in uh, WCPW's State of Emergency show when they were in Florida for WrestleMania weekend, he appeared uh, on their show, so I have seen him, that was only once before, uh, but he faced uh, Renee Dupree, former WWE superstar, the youngest ever champion in that company, um, and Elgin won, which is great, but he won by DQ in the first match.
1: What was that? Yeah, that's actually part of my notes. Stupid, <laughs> it was really stupid. Um, uh, I do like Elgin. Uh, uh, like we we discussed uh before we went live, well, live. Um, I've watched a lot of New Japan lately. I'm trying to get into it, and Elgin is very present there. And not to date this episode, but he just had a match with. Henny Omega just the other night.
0: Oh, really? Nice.
1: And Dupree, I gotta say, I like his look a lot since leaving the WWE. He looks like a more legitimate wrestler now.
0: He got jacked! Like, from the last time I remember seeing him? Absolutely. Like, he... Yeah. A lot more tattoos, and he just... He looked... Which, that's the thing, is like, I don't understand why they... Why he would have been on the show. I mean, like, I understand why he was on the show, but like... To, to do all of that and then you know like loop almost purposely lose by DQ I don't quite understand it I mean other than that and the fact that you know like obviously Elgin was great Dupree looked very different more like a almost like a like you know world champion material to, to go with the Vince McMahon stereotype of you know big muscly men he looked like he could be of that caliber now but other than that, the only thing that really uh, stuck out to me in this match was the fact that he, Dupree almost purposely lost by DQ, which I don't quite get.
1: Yeah, that was a stupid booking decision. Like, I, he was one of the only people that was on the card that I recognized from his days in WWE. Um, so to see him just to- kind of squandered really didn't make any sense to me. Like, the fact that he lost is is, is fine. That's that's one thing. but. By disqual, like almost purposeful disqualification, I in the first match. In the first match, exactly. I don't. I don't know what they were doing.
0: I'm not. I, I mean, I'm. I'm perfectly okay with the, you know, uh, shenanigans in a finish and things like that. I, when we've talked about things in private and on mic, I've somewhat defended even the concept of comedy wrestling and whatever. But there's to me, there are certain things that I think you just don't do. And, like, your opening match should be, like, a, like a, like there should be a, like, legitimate finish. You know what I mean? Like, your first match, even your last match doesn't have to because that's supposed to make you want to stay tuned and come back to the next show, you know? But, like, your first match should kind of be, like here's, you know, we're going to get everything started and whatever. And to have a a screwy finish, I think, in your first match, it just, it shouldn't be done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Of course, you know, it didn't take me out of the show because, like, I knew there was more. But uh, not a great way to start.
0: No. But, as we said, Michael Elgin uh, continued on. I, I was impressed by him you said you've seen him in new Japan quite a bit he's definitely a guy i think that uh people should keep an eye on
1: yeah uh, you know and as for his role in japan um he's probably as far as Americans you know foreigners in in, in new japan he's probably like second only to kenny omega in terms of like exposure and big matches so like they clearly they see something in him
0: okay well yeah i mean because ever i mean i don't I don't know much about New Japan. I'm actually interested in learning a little more. uh we there is for this uh for this tournament there is the Japanese qualifier. you and I were talking before we went on Mike about potentially uh, covering some new Japan stuff. um I'm of course interested to see what the you know the hype is about i hear i i don't i haven't heard many bad things there's a lot of people be it like uh you know cody rhodes of course uh marty scurl i know just went over there i believe he's a new member of the bullet club um you know of course aj styles came from there kinda uh shinsuke nakamura came from there gallows and anderson all from wwe they came from there uh you know it it has a fantastic history of people passing through or just staying there to like, that's, you know, it's become their home. Like Kenny Omega, I've, I've never seen a Kenny Omega match, but he is someone who almost transcends that, that, you know, only in Japan thing to the point where Uh, Like, someone who basically, like myself, who knows almost nothing about New Japan, I know who Kenny Omega is, and I care. I want to hear what did, you know, what do people think of his matches? You know, uh, uh, Dave Meltzer, of course, keeps giving him, you know, his matches with uh, Okada, you know, more than five stars or this, that, or the other thing. I, I actually, despite the fact that I didn't watch the match, I did listen to, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin's review of Omega Okada 1, And like, that's, that's, I don't want to say it's unheard of, but it's pretty strange to me, like that someone who hasn't been through WWE makes that big of an impact on American audiences.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, You know, earlier this year, after Wrestle Kingdom, he said he was going to take some time off and reevaluate, you know, his life and his career. And uh, there was a lot of talk about him going to the WWE, which I was kind of. You know, I'm kind of sick of people just jumping to the WWE when, when they get popular or successful. Um, so, like, he's, you know, he eventually he signed with New Japan again for another year or two, I think. And he's like, you know, I, I wouldn't mind being the one guy to never jump ship to WWE. And I would like to see that actually happen. Like, I would like to see him stick it out and make a name for himself without, you know, going for the money. Well, yeah,
0: because the closest thing I think we've ever had in professional wrestling to that was Sting. He was, you know, he was always like the one, especially like in terms of top tier talent, he was always that one guy. Uh, sec- uh, AJ Styles, of course, was that at one point, And then he signed a few years ago uh, or a year or so ago, whatever it was. Um but yeah, it was always basically Sting and and AJ Styles were those two people. And I remember, uh, I don't remember if it was a video or an article, but I was reading or you know I saw something once about people questioning if there could ever be someone other than an AJ Styles of that same caliber as Styles and, and Sting where they're almost known the world over and they have that, that high of a pedigree where people constantly say, oh, he's he's the one guy that never, that never went through WWE or they could have done so much with him or whatever, but they're also on a big enough stage. You know, of course, Sting had through uh, uh, NWA and WCW, and then he was in TNA for several years. AJ Styles was in almost every independent promotion uh, known to man. He was in TNA, New Japan, of course, for a long time, and then it was going to be, you know, would he... Could he ever make it in WWE? And of course he could. And I think, uh, I think Kenny Omega is that next star where it's, it becomes the question of will he last, and I think he will, but will he last never being the guy to be in, in uh, WWE?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, New Japan only ever signs their guys to like one-year contracts. So it's like every year, do I have to like wait with bated breath to see what Kenny Omega decides to do? You know, Hey, if he goes to WWE, good for him. He gets the money, the more, you know, more exposure and he's going to probably go through NXT and you know, the way that they book NXT, we're going to get some good matches, but eventually he's going to land on raw or SmackDown. And what becomes of Kenny Omega then, you know, like, does he become a main player? Like he should be, or does he get sidelined into the, the mid card or a feud with Dolph Ziggler for no reason for, six months you know like that's, that's the gee
0: part. i wonder who that was in comment too
1: yeah no i have no idea
0: <laughs> uh no i i i agree i mean it's it's part of their it's part of their problem and uh, you know i don't necessarily want to say because my feelings on this have been made quite clear in previous shows but like i said about the hardys and and anybody else you know i have an issue with these amazing top-level talents then going to WWE and potentially not being able to be who they were because of, you know, Vince's old thing. And it has gone down quite a bit in the last few years. But, you know, his old thing... uh, I was just watching something with Jim Cornette the other day where he was talking about uh, uh, Carrie Von Erich I believe. Texas Tornado. You know, he was... Uh, potentially one of the biggest stars in the Midwest and and Southern uh, area of the country at the time. And he, you know, it's argued that he almost peaked too early because by the time he got to WWF at the time, he was, uh, you know, Vince was like, well, none of that matters. You're, you're where, you know, you're in my, you're in my territory now. Basically, we're not going to use the Von Erich name or anything like that. You're going to be the Texas tornado and you're going to be at the very bottom.
1: Yeah. And he, he tried to do that with Vader too. Um, I think it was Jim who told the story where like they, he, you know, Vince wanted to name Vader, the Mastodon and Jim Cornett's like, but he's Vader. Everybody knows him as Vader. His name is Vader. They call him Vader. And eventually, obviously, you know, they they got away from the Mastodon thing, but that's always been like his thing. He's like, oh, how can I change this person to fit what I want?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, another another example of that is uh, the Road Warriors. Yeah, Hawk and Animal becoming uh, the Legion of Doom. They were world known as the you know the Road Warriors, and then for some reason, when they went to to Vince's. Uh, place they became you know he's like oh that that name is dead you know no one no one wants to hear about them anymore you're the Legion of Doom now and it makes them sound like a Saturday morning cartoon villain
1: I mean I think that was a Saturday morning cartoon villain so yeah it was
0: (laughs) um but speaking of guys as you know talking about people who are are known from uh, New Japan and and things like that the very next match on the Canadian uh, qualifying Round of the Pro Wrestling World Cup. Harry Smith, who, from what I understand, is becoming a bigger and bigger star in New Japan, or at least that's how they're trying to play it up, he defeated Frankie the Mobster. Now, I've never, until this this card, I've never seen Harry Smith wrestle. Of course, I know about him. Um, You know, member of the legendary uh, Hart family. Uh, Father is a potential... Uh, Hall of Famer one day, he definitely deserves it, uh, son of uh, Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog. Um, I wasn't a fan though, I didn't find, and as much as I, you know, I I, I tend to, to like the heels because I like the bad guys, they're who I always wanted to be and that kind of stuff, I was not, I also didn't understand with Frankie the Mobster's look why he he wasn't doing dirty tactics yes. like Harry Smith was.
1: Yes, exactly. I don't understand. Like Frankie the Mobster, like, you know, the way that they do these things in WCVW is each match is preceded by uh, you know, vignettes introducing the, the, the contestants and Frankie cut like the most basic comic book villain promo I've ever heard and he has like, you know, he has a very heelish look and they call him the Mobster but apparently he was the baby face like, I, I didn't get that.
0: Yeah, I don't
1: I like Frankie the Mobster's look, his his entrance attire is really cool. And, you know, his mannerisms are are very heel like, so it I don't know. I, I didn't get it. Maybe maybe yeah. that was the point. It was supposed to subvert people's expectations.
0: I I mean if that was the case, it didn't it didn't work for me. I underst if that was the case, I understand it. It just it didn't resonate with me because you know, I mean, of course they're Canadian, they actually came to Canada for this one, certain other uh, things from the World Cup they're actually having in England, they actually did come to Canada for this one, so, you know, pretty much everybody there had the quote-unquote hometown advantage, Um, but realistically, the bigger name, I would think, would be Harry Smith, you know, I don't understand why he didn't, you know, he kind of has that clean-cut look, he's... Arguably known the world over because not only because of his family but because he was in w w e he's in New Japan, whatever I think he should have played as the baby face, just my opinion,
1: yes, yeah exactly. absolutely that that was like ninety percent of my notes on the match was was how I didn't understand the dichotomy there,
0: yeah. The only other thing that I that I really uh, noticed or remember from that match was um, the fact that and it wasn't of course it wasn't just that match because uh, because of the fact that he defeated Frankie the mobster he went on uh, for later in the night but he um, he has the opening guitar thing from the heart you know Brett Hart's uh, music Natalia kind of uses the same opening guitar note or notes I Very surprised at that. I didn't think they could do that. I thought that was like a WWE legal thing.
1: Yeah, you're right. That didn't make any sense either. (laughs) How did they get away with that? Like I can see that on like house shows, but this is being recorded and like you know put on YouTube.
0: Right, and that's the thing. I know for a fact for some of these uh, uh, WCPW cards, certain things they have gone over, and they've put and they they put a little a little note at the bottom you know, like, different music used for legal purposes or whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: And this one didn't have that. I mean, it wasn't the whole tune, so, I mean, I'll give them credit there, but, like, that opening guitar riff, I don't know.
1: There was something familiar about it, yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The very next match was with two guys who I had never heard of, but I'm glad I did because uh, I would say it was going to be my match of the night. Until there was a match later, but it was Mike uh, Speedball Mike Bailey defeated Brent Money Banks. And I have to say, despite the fact that Mike Bailey won, Brent Banks impressed me so much more.
1: By this point, yes. Um, It was a great match. Uh, It's my second favorite pairing of a Bailey and a Banks uh, ever. Ha. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. And I like, I like Bailey a lot though. Uh, like a lot. Um, but this, this was definitely my best match of the night by this point.
0: Um, I, one of the commentators, I believe it was, uh, Alex Shane, uh, former British heavyweight champion, Alex Shane made the comment that, uh, he's like, it might be a little controversial, but it kind of reminded him of the, uh, Osprey, uh, ricochet match from uh, Japan about a year, year and a half ago, I think it was, something like that, where it was just, you know, it was potentially going to set the internet on fire and all this kind of stuff. And I have to say, it, it was, well, I mean, maybe not of that caliber, but if more people, I think, had talked about it, I think this could have been one of the, I mean, of course, the the match, the Mike Bailey match later on in the night, I that's my match of the night, but uh, I, I definitely think that this match if more people watched it I think they would go wow Canadian wrestling is going to be the next thing to take off if there if if all the Canadian wrestlers are competing like these guys I think Canadian wrestling the Canadian wrestling scene could be the next thing to take off
1: yeah I would agree um, Bailey's roundhouse kicks were awesome
0: agreed I mean there wasn't and like I said b- uh, banks did at least in that match, did impress me more. I kind of wish he had gone on. Of course, seeing the match that came later with uh, with Mike Bailey, I, I, I would probably change that statement in retrospect. But I remember at the time, I'm like, man, I wish Brent Banks had gone further because I definitely, I'm going to keep an eye on him. Uh, he, you know, clearly somebody that, that I was impressed with and I want to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's one of the people that I, you know, I just, I ju- I'm just now noticing. And even though, you know, he lost and he's not going to be going to the finals of the World Cup, you know, he's on my he's he's on my radar.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the things that I like about these kinds of uh, because I was just uh, watching a thing. uh, I don't know if you're watching them on the the What Culture YouTube channel where they're doing these uh, interesting facts about King of the Ring. And one of the comments, I believe it was there, was made on why doesn't WWE do more tournament style wrestling a lot of things all over the world do New Japan does I think two or three tournaments like every year Um, you know of course uh, the Pro Wrestling World Cup is happening there was I believe it was five star wrestling tried doing one of the biggest uh, things uh, tournaments ever and I I don't understand why WWE doesn't do more of them. But one of the things that I like about a lot of these independent ones is because they do get a lot of people from all over the world. The way that the independents work, and it gives you the chance to see more people, more styles. You know, because uh, chances are, if I had just stuck with WWE or New Japan or Ring of Honor or whatever, there's the chance that I may have never seen Mike Bailey or Brett uh, Brent Banks to look at them and go, I'm going to keep an eye on those two guys because they're fantastic.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um...
0: Well, I mean, in regards to King of the ring, I think if, uh, if SmackDown has money in the bank and that winner gets a title shot, then realistically Raw should have King of the ring and that winner gets a title shot or do it where it's, uh, an inter show. Yeah. Thing. And almost like a Royal Rumble where whoever wins gets to challenge for the world title, respectively, of their brand. But if they did it at, say, Survivor Series or SummerSlam or whatever, one of the bigger four things, you could always do where you could have, you know, a Raw guy versus a SmackDown guy or whatever if you wanted to go that that route. But
1: I like how they did it in, I think, 2002, where the winner got a title shot at SummerSlam. I think that that's like i don't know that makes sense to me
0: i definitely think they should bring it back i think it has a lot of potential especially with their current talent and you and i have talked about this several times the fact that there isn't necessarily a top guy In I mean, there is in terms of like John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, but like everybody kind of has their own little camps of who they like in WWE right now. Certain people like Samoa Joe, certain people like
1: Steve Austin is what you're saying.
0: Exactly. And that's one of the reasons that I think a lot of people don't necessarily get as over as they used to because the talent pool is a lot wider now you know like i said everybody certain people like cesaro certain people like shinsuke certain people like styles certain people like kevin owens and you know if you're a kevin owens fan and i'm a shinsuke nakamura fan we're both not going to have our way unless they keep doing 50-50 booking we're not each going to have our way because one person always has to win and i think a, a king of the ring tournament type thing is where you can you can figure out well, okay, who do we want to give the next push to? Clearly, Cesaro has fans. He has the Cesaro section. There's the signs almost every time he's out there. Why have they never given him a push? Who knows? Maybe they're like, oh, well, all of these other guys are are clearly, they draw more than him or whatever. Give him the chance to be king of the ring. See how he goes with it. You could have him lose his title match if you're thinking that he's not doing as well or that he him versus whatever champion you're going to have isn't drawing as well but give him the chance give any of them the chance to to get that number one contender spot don't only ever see them as mid card people that's how you make a mid carder into an upper level guy
1: yeah or you know at the very least they could present their mid card as something worth watching like new japan does new japan has like 30 titles and half of them are mid card titles really 30 is an embellishment but i know but but they no i mean their mid card is like you you have lifelong mid carters that are like their draws like people freak out for them and their mid carders. it's not like their main eventers you know it's just like they present it so much better
0: i will definitely have to uh have to get into this i think
1: um like like for instance uh katsuyori shibata Was, you know, oh, a
0: name that just rolls right off the tongue. It
1: does because he's amazing. (laughs) Uh, um, Was amazing, I should say. Uh, He, you know, he was seen as a mid-carter for forever. Uh, He started back in like 2000. Like, he's been around for a while. And he just now got the push. He won the, uh, oh, lordy. They have so many tournaments. The Super Juniors tournament, I think, maybe. I don't know. Uh, New Japan Cup, that's it. And see, there's a lot of them. And he got he got a match against Okada, the reigning heavyweight champion, and that match ended in tragedy because Shibata hit a gnarly headbutt and was apparently very dehydrated and like almost died. But that match could have put him on the map as like a as an upper level dude for forever. He was a made man, and it's and he lost, you know. Like that's, that's how they do things. Like even in, even in loss, even in defeat, there is victory.
0: Yeah. And that's like, if you want to, if you want to, if, if they wanted to present it, they could have, we had this argument at, uh, at WrestleMania this year with the whole Cena and Nikki Bella versus Miz and Maurice uh, thing, because, you know, uh, In my opinion, Ms. and Maurice needed the win. Cena could have still had his proposal moment because uh, I don't remember which. I I knew it then. I don't remember it now. Um, When uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, he lost, but then he still proposed to Miss Elizabeth. No one remembers that he lost. They only remember his moment afterwards, but he was still. What's that?
1: Yeah, but John Cena, though. I know. Like that, yeah, like any argument you could make is derailed by the fact that he's John Cena.
0: Yeah, I know. And it's in Roman Reigns is, is the next one. I get it.
1: Yeah, I'm sure in 15 years, he'll propose to somebody in the middle of WrestleMania and everybody will be like, cool, awesome. Get off the stage.
0: And then it'll come out that Kevin Dunn arranged that, too, because he wanted because he knew it would make for a good TV moment.
1: Yes. Although I think Roman Reigns is married, but let's say hypothetically he gets divorced and then <laughs>
0: someone else. <laughs> he could he could say you know let's let's renew our vows that could happen
1: yeah yeah okay I'll i'm at good.
0: the top of my game baby let's you know i'm at the top of my game i'm recommitting myself to wrestling oh, i'm sorry sports entertainment and i'm recommitting myself to you
1: sure yeah that works i believe that
0: <laughs> um the next match on the getting back to the uh, canadian qualifier uh, the next match was Kyle O'Reilly defeating Tyson Dukes. I, I got it. I don't really remember the match. I feel terrible. Um, I believe Dukes was in the, uh, the CWC, right? Maybe. <laughs> I think one of them was, I, I believe it was Tyson Dukes was in the, uh, the cruiserweight classic. But I have to say, honestly, that match, I, I, Don't really the the Kyle O'Reilly match that I remember happened later, so I really don't remember that match. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it was it was a good long match. You know, it went it went for a while, like in the middle of the show, which was really cool. Um, I liked O'Reilly, and uh, I don't really have much else to say. I don't I don't really remember it either. But as a disclaimer, it's been like a week since I watched the show.
0: Yeah, I've been I've been trying to wa- I've been watching little bits of it here and there because my internet has been acting up, so I'm only getting to watch little bits of it here and there. But yeah, it was a few days ago for for me as well. But yeah, nothing. Uh, again, it wasn't a bad match. I'm not necessarily saying like, oh, this was a you know this was a go to the bathroom match or anything like that. There wasn't necessarily anything that really stuck out to me though.
1: Right. But, you know, in in mentioning a bad match, there really weren't any bad matches on the show.
0: No, uh, I would if I had to say the I don't want to say the worst match, but if I had to to rank probably the lowest match on the show, it would probably be. And it's it's it wasn't I'm not saying it was a bad match, but probably the first match Elgin versus Dupree. Because first match, it, it didn't really seem to get going. You know, it was a DQ finish in the first match. Like, that kind. That was the kind of thing that that bugged me a bit. And that's probably why I would rate that one the lowest. And it, that was not a bad match. Like, what actually happened in the match? Not a bad match at all. Mm. But I would probably say that was the, the lowest one for me.
1: Yeah. I'd probably... I'd say the same thing. Yeah. I would agree with that.
0: Um... The next match.
1: Yeah, here we go.
0: <laughs> Gabriel Kidd, WCPW. This was a. We t- they took a break from the from the the cup. Uh, WCPW Internet Champion Gabriel Kidd, who won his first match in the promotion. To win the title, he was uh, he's just a little over 20 years old, 21 years old, I think they said. Um, he was on almost a year-long losing streak in this promotion. He was in a triple threat with Cody Rhodes, and I, for the life of me, I cannot remember who the other person was. Uh, but he beat Cody Rhodes for the—I I be- want to say it was maybe even Marty Skrull, but uh, he won— Not only his first match, but he won the Internet Championship. As far as I know, that was only because Cody Rhodes wanted to go have a more permanent home in Ring of Honor, and he's doing very well there. Uh, Internet title match, Gabriel Kidd defeats Zack Sabre Jr. And I know that name.
1: One of my favorites in the world. That dude is amazing.
0: He's fantastic. He's absolutely one of the best, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, just the way he manipulates the body—it's like crazy. It's crazy shit, dude. And thankfully, he's also in Japan right now. So I just watched him wrestle a couple of days ago.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's all over the place. Um, he's of course one of the the people that uh, that everybody wanted to make it towards the end of the uh, the CWC, right? But he wouldn't sign the contract. Isn't that how that went?
1: Yeah, it was pretty much the same story. Between him and uh, Kota Ibushi, I mean, I think, I, I personally, when the tournament, when the bracket was laid out, I said, okay, it's going to be Sabre Jr. versus Ibushi uh, for, the, for the final. You know, that just makes the most sense. And they got so close, and I think once it became obvious they weren't going to sign the contracts, they both lost their qualifying matches for the final match. So I'm pretty sure I was right that that was the initial plan, but then, hey, if you don't want to sign with us, GTFO! You don't get to win the tournament.
0: If I'm not mistaken, well, one, I think that's they learned that, and I believe for their uh, their May Young Classic, I believe they've signed uh, almost all of the women, almost like they did for the uh, the UK uh, championship okay. thing, where most of their most of them signed, and you know they have that like, oh, you can't be on on other recorded shows or things like that. I think they did that with their with the women's thing, um, but if I'm not mistaken, the What's the the tournament that's happening in Japan right now? The G1 Climax? Is that right? Yes. I believe Sabre Jr. versus Ibushi is one of the matches.
1: You're goddamn right it is. (laughs) Ibushi finally gets to wrestle without being Tiger Mask in New Japan, and I'm so excited. He's been an anime character for, like, months, dude. An anime character.
0: Tiger Mask. That's an old that's an old old thing, Tiger Mask. That's like Mr. Wrestling type of thing.
1: Well, they brought it the hell back and there was like there's like three or four of them. It's crazy. I don't understand it, but like he's been wrestling in a mask.
0: I mean, and everybody knew that it was him?
1: It was not a secret. Okay. But I mean, what is a secret in, you know, the day of the the age of the internet? There there are no secrets.
0: Well no, I mean, but it wasn't it wasn't acknowledged on screen of like, it, oh, that's who that wasn't.
1: is. No, no, it wasn't.
0: Okay. Um
1: I could tell, like I could tell watching him, I'm like that's definitely a Obushi. I could tell by the way he moves.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's one of those matches the, uh, you know, if if I were to watch the the G1 climax, that's one that I'm very excited to watch because that's one that as you said, a lot of people, yourself included, thought was going to be you know, the final of the, the CWC. And now uh, New Japan is like, here you go. You get to see it. We're going to give it to you because they wouldn't.
1: I, 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 I almost bet that they're doing that on purpose.
0: I mean, I if especially with how... I don't want to use the word vindictive because it sounds evil, but with how I've heard things by the, the guy who owns New Japan, like the fact that, you know, they're doing shows in the united states now because wwe came to japan and he's like well if they came to our backyard we're gonna go to their backyard and things like that it makes sense that that's what what they would do
1: yeah and i I like that i like i like the idea where they could expand onto american soil and maybe actually become competition because we all we all know what happens with competition in professional wrestling good shit happens
0: oh it only yeah it only gets better
1: you know, there's a reason WWE has been like, you know, there's a reason the last boom period was, you know, what, 17 years ago. was because they had competition. They had no choice but to get better.
0: Yeah, and it was actual competition, not just another program is going head-to-head with them on Monday nights headed by Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan, who I like. I like those two. I will defend them, most things, maybe not a certain thing from a certain uh, more bald one of them. But, uh you know, in terms of of wrestling stuff, I'm I'm a you know an '80s '90s guy. I, I like the NWO. I like you know a lot of the things that uh, that Eric Bischoff did in terms of his booking style. But when they took over TNA and their first thought was you know well we need to go head to head with Vince on Monday nights that'll turn us around. No, it will not. Um, I think like a Ring of Honor if they especially because I believe they're doing a uh, like, a cross-branding thing with New Japan, right? Like, Ring of Honor is, like, helping them move into the into the U.S., right?
1: Yeah, they've had a partnership for a while now.
0: And I think that's a really good thing because, um, of course, worldwide, WWE is number one, New Japan, I believe, is number two, one could argue. Um, in terms of the United States, uh, WWE, of course, is number one, and it might now be to the point where Ring of Honor is number two. I'm not quite sure if they've surpassed TNA just yet. I don't know how good TNA's doing. I hear almost nothing but negatives because... You should
1: note that it's no longer TNA.
0: I believe their belt still says TNA.
1: <laughs> well, I heard that they are completely rebranding themselves as Global Force Wrestling. So TNA might be on the way out completely.
0: Oh, it's going to be Global Force, not Impact now?
1: Correct. Jeff Jarrett is apparently a carny genius.
0: Okay. Um, either way, whatever Jarrett is calling their company now, uh, you know, Big Bird, Anthem Big Bird Entertainment, whatever they're, you know. Um, they, uh, I don't, I, I would argue they may not even be the number two spot anymore. They are number two, but for a different reason. Um, but I might argue that they're not the number two spot anymore, that Ring of Honor might have that, so it makes sense that they would help uh, New Japan come over into into this market. Um, so, yeah, it makes perfect sense that, that their owner... And, I mean, it's a, it's a Vince McMahon tactic, you know? That is. It really... It's a, it's a 70s, 80s Vince McMahon-style tactic, and I think part of the issue is... Uh, Vince McMahon and the WWE—they know they're at the top. That's another thing. They know they're at the top. They know that right now, unless something huge happens, no one is going to beat them. And that's where I think that that New Japan and Ring of Honor and a lot of these promotions—you uh, know, some of the ones over in England, not just WCPW, but like Rev Pro and ICW and all these ones—they're all there going, okay, this is what WWE offers. We're going to offer something different, and that's what's going to draw people to us, is we're not going to necessarily offer sports entertainment. We're going to offer our take on professional wrestling. There's so many options out there now that it almost dilutes that number two, number three spot. But if you can get people to watch other things... I think it's still, it, it, you know, I don't necessarily think all of those, you know, all the indie stuff in New Japan and Ring of Honor should join and, and make one, no pun intended, but one global force type thing. I'm not saying that, but I think it might scare Vince and company to be like, okay, well, yeah, okay, we're losing five people to this show, ten people to that show, whatever. Those numbers start to add up.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But yeah, definitely a, a Vince McMahon tactic if they're doing uh, Saber Jr. versus Kota Ibushi. Um, but what did you think of Saber Jr. versus Gabriel Kidd in this match for the was, WCPW was, Internet Title?
1: It was a great match. It was it was it was great. It was probably like my th- third favorite match on the show after the two Bailey matches.
0: I would I would agree with that, yeah. I mean, I like Gabriel Kidd. I like the storyline that they've been doing with him where it's, you know, like he lost, he lost, he lost. And I was watching a thing where they said that wasn't even intentional. It just got to the point where he was putting over more and more talent, and somebody realized that he had a lot, you know, like he had way more losses and he had no wins. So they decided to turn it into a storyline, and then they got to got to use it where they were like, oh, well, his first big win, it'll be the, you know, the, the internet title, which is, they only, as of this show, they actually introduced the hardcore title not too long ago into the company. But as of this uh, Canadian qualifying show, they only had three championships. I'm sorry, four. That will be the world title, the internet title, the tag title, and the women's title. So realistically, he had the second secondary title of the company, you know, and uh, to go up against someone like a Zack Sabre Jr. and basically hold his own, I thought. I think they're doing great things with him. Of course, Zack Sabre Jr., fantastic athlete. Not just necessarily a wrestler, but if he went into, into you know, maybe not like American football or anything else like that. But I think he's just a fantastic athlete in general. Um, I think it was a great match.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. He, uh, I'd be surprised if Sabre Jr. doesn't wind up in the WWE at one point.
0: But, I mean, would you want him to, though? Like, really? Like, who, okay. No, because you're, he's not
1: going to do any of that cool shit anymore, because he has to wrestle the WWE style.
0: Right. If if he were, who would you want to see Zack Sabre I know who you're going to pick, but who would you want to see Zack Sabre Jr. face on the current WWE roster?
1: Actually, I don't know, because I'm, I'm trying to think of who his style would mesh with. I mean... Probably other athletic people like Seth Rollins, I think would be a good match.
0: Not who I thought you were going to say.
1: Yeah, I would say Seth Rollins. That could be a really cool match.
0: Honestly, I thought you were going to say Shinsuke.
1: Well, I mean, that's a default answer.
0: <laughs> but see, I don't know though, because like Gabriel Kidd was a, a different style than him in this match. Like, you know, and they the, the announcers kept saying it like, you know, Kidd should not necessarily go... Trying to do a lot of these map-based, you know the the catches catch can style like Sabre does, he should do like you know uh, big like big moves, you know power slam, you know power bombs, things like that. I don't necessarily know all the names of all the moves, but he should do more stuff like that, not necessarily uh, more submission based stuff. So I think uh, uh, somebody like a Kevin Owens might be a really good opponent for Zack Saber Jr.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of people at the upper echelon, well, not even just the upper echelon of WWE, where, like, he could have he could have a good match with pretty much anybody, I think. Absolutely. Um,
0: the next match was a uh, semi-final, final, qualifying match, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Michael Elgin defeating Harry Smith. And what that says is a New Japan guy, as you said, Michael Elgin, New Japan guy, has now defeated, in one card, in one night, defeated two former WWE talents.
1: Yeah, that's a good uh, observation.
0: What do you have for this match?
1: I really like the sense of urgency they brought to the match, especially with Elgin being such a bigger guy. You know, like, they, they... there there weren't any moments where like they just took their time or like there there weren't a lot of rest spots. Um I like the false finish. Okay. But I'm glad Elgin won because I like him a lot. And Smith is you know, he's cool, but I'd like Elgin a lot. I'm glad he won.
0: Which is, it's strange because, like, the way that a lot of these cards have gone and how we've talked on previous episodes, you would think they would choose, and I mean, Michael Elgin, of course, world known as well, but you would think they would choose someone like a Harry Smith to, to go on, almost like they did with Penta or Rey Mysterio or, you know, somebody like that to, to go on to be like this guy you know a member of the Hart family is representing canada in the pro wrestling world cup
1: maybe they thought that was too obvious <laughs> or elgin's blowing off i mean it maybe it does make sense to have elgin in there because elgin's a bigger name
0: i mean it's possible now what is the reason like i've heard there was some backstage stuff is there is there any uh insight because I believe you were watching at that time as to why Harry Smith didn't necessarily work in WWE. I was. I wasn't watching at that time.
1: I, neither was I. I started watching in 2014. Okay. Started watching again, I should say.
0: Right. Okay. And when was he there? He had to be between sometime between like 08 and, and 2013, I would guess, right?
1: Something like that. I'm pretty sure he was involved in the whole like Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon thing at WrestleMania. But I can't for the life of me remember what year that was. It's okay. like Bret Hart had his entire wrestling family out there helping him. It was weird. But I'm pretty okay. sure Smith was one of them.
0: Well, because if I'm not mistaken, uh, Smith and Natalia and what is his wrestling name? Her husband. I just want to say TJ, but I know that's not right.
1: It is Tyson Kidd.
0: Tyson Kidd, thank you. Because you called me out on that the one day. <laughs> um, I believe they tried doing like a, a heart Foundation... type of thing when they first got there, didn't they?
1: Yeah, as far as I know, they leaned into that pretty hard,
0: right? I mean, she still leans into that, and she's the only one there. And she still leans into that. The most
1: is that it's like we're supposed to believe her dad is Bret Hart. It's like, bro, bro, it's the anvil, all right? Why are you using Bret Hart's theme song? Why are you using a sharpshooter? What about your dad? (laughs)
0: Which is funny because I was watching this. Uh, I believe it was this match with Michael Elgin, and my mother happened to be in the room. And I, I didn't. Ha- I didn't see it at the moment, but there was a gesture that Harry Smith made, and she goes, "That's a Nighthard thing. Why is he doing that? That's not his family." I'm like, "Well, technically, it was his uncle as well. Like, you know, so through marriage type of thing. But that is his uncle, Jim the Anvil Nighthard. Like, why couldn't he do?" that gesture it's all the same family and she's like it's just weird you think he would do like a, a british bulldog something
1: <laughs> yeah it's just like it's it's really weird because like natalia is emulating bret hart her uncle more than her father you know and i get that bret hart is the bigger name of the hart foundation but like it seems a little disrespectful
0: See, I don't, I don't know, because I think the way she's trying to be, trying being the keyword, trying to be a heel, I think she's more trying to emulate Owen now.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess when you come from that family, it's just free, it's just fair game. Everything, is it's whatever, just who, who do you want to be? <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is really unfortunate, because they could probably be something themselves if they actually gave them a chance.
1: Yeah, but, you know, hey, they're related to the hearts, so pick which heart family member you're going to be.
0: Now, uh, seeing as as you know we're talking about the Hearts very briefly, um, who do you would you argue that they are or are not the greatest wrestling family? Who do you think is the greatest wrestling family? I should say.
1: I mean, I hear that and I immediately think of the Von Erichs. Really? Yeah. Um, I,
0: I like that answer.
1: <laughs> no, but. Bret Hart, you know, the Hart family is the easy answer because Bret Hart was, you know, WWF champion and all that stuff. Um,
0: See, I would think most people would choose either the Harts or the Anawais.
1: Yeah. The Anawais, yeah. But, like, everybody's an Anawai. (laughs) I swear to God, they're like, oh, this new person related to The Rock. Wow, what a surprise.
0: Um, I know you don't necessarily watch Talking Smack too much, but they've had the Usos on there, and they, they, they were doing something the other day where they were just like, you know, yeah, bring on this team, bring on that team, and they gave like three or four different names for the Wild Samoans or the kids of the wild Samoans that they've used in like various independent, like at one point they, you know, cause they were like, you know, they're always like, come on. Cause they, you know, talking to Daniel Bryan, they call him DB. They're like, come on DB, bring the bullet club over here. They don't call them the club. They flat out called them the bullet club. They're also like, you know, they're like, bring the bullet club over here. Bring the Hardy boys. You know, they're like, bring the, they're like, we don't care who it is. We'll face the wild Samoans. You know, they're like, we'll face the heart foundation. We'll face the Samoan SWAT team, like all this stuff. And like, they went through like all of these names throughout history you know past present whatever but they they name check like three or four different uh tag teams that are their family members which i thought was hilarious
1: <laughs> yeah talking smack's where it's at it would seem
0: <laughs> and i mean you could attest how many times do i say like especially when kevin owens is on there i'm like you have to watch it this week kevin owens was on there
1: <laughs> i know i know i should it's just like i have such a Passing interest in their product these days It's hard to like sit down and watch it
0: I'm gonna be honest I really only watch the the Pay-per-views sometimes I regret Even doing that but almost always I will watch Talking Smack or if they have A Raw Talk thing on there You know because I just You and you said it to me I remember when I was first when I was getting back Into the product the fact that uh, They're a lot They seem to be a lot less Scripted which is a good thing
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. You can tell Vince has absolutely no idea what happens on talking smack. (laughs)
0: Um, okay. So here we go. We are going to get, I would assume this is your match of the night. It was definitely my match of the night. Uh, the second, uh, final qualifying, final match for the Canadian world cup or the, well, the Canadian, whatever leg of the world cup, Mike Bailey defeating Kyle O'Reilly and holy crap. This match, it seemed like it went on forever, not necessarily in a bad way, but there was so much going on. I cannot even pick a, oh, that moment was great or that moment was great or whatever. There was just so
1: much going on. I have a moment. Uh, Bailey's triple roundhouse kick. Okay. Where I I think O'Reilly kept dodging and then eventually Bailey caught him. But like, I'm a sucker for spinning kicks. I don't know what it is, but it's awesome. It was. It, you're right. It's easily my match of the night. Yeah,
0: I mean, if if anybody's listening to this, and for some reason, if you're this far into this show or this far into this little little sub series that we're doing, where you know where we're talking about this, and you haven't necessarily watched any of these matches, go watch that match in particular. If you want to see a real good, it was. There wasn't. You can't necessarily say there was any one particular style. Of ma- it wasn't a it wasn't a flippy flippy shit match or it wasn't a catch as catch can wrestling style match it was just there was they were all over the place and I, there wasn't really a dull moment
1: at all yeah I would agree that's wrestling at its best
0: um. And I mean, I, I I really, I don't know how to, how to sum it up any more than that. Like I said, I don't necessarily have like a moment. I mean, the, the, the finish where, you know, we saw, we saw Bailey hit the, um what was it that he did? It was like a shooting star knee thing or something like that.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. That was awesome. That was amazing. Like we saw him
0: do it earlier in the that- night and then like he did it. And like, but he was, he, it was, there was something, I can't remember what it was, but there was something like different about it. It was like the guy, like O'Reilly was further away or he was standing up or something. It was just, it was amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one thing about the WCPW, you know, world cup is that you're seeing a lot of, like uh, I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of stuff I've never seen before, you know, and I, I, I would consider myself sort of well-read, you know, when it comes to wrestling, but like stuff like that shooting star knee thing, I was, that was great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was I mean you know, that was probably my my mark out moment, if you will, was was that uh that that maneuver at the end. And I mean, don't get me wrong, the next match, I don't know if we wanna move on from the Bailey O'Reilly match. I don't know if if you have any more to say on the matter.
1: I don't. Except oh. the next match was not as good.
0: It you're right, it wasn't necessarily as good. I I liked it. I follow the WCPW product, of course. I, I know the ongoing storyline with Joe Hendry. I actually know some stuff that happened after this with Joe Hendry and uh, El Ligero. Um, but I I love this, this thing they're doing with Joe Hendry. I, of course, you know, I always say, like, I'm a Pennsylvania guy. I'm an ECW guy. So them going out into the crowd was great, you know, throwing, you know, a when he when he whipped him into the into the, the pile of chairs, I was like, "Yes, you know that's hardcore. That's hardcore." You know, um, not as great as the match that came before it. Still thought it was a solid match, though.
1: Yeah, you know, I guess it's just because he's a good heel. I f-ing hate Joe Hendry. That guy's a bastard. And they're giving them a pay per view named after the stable. It's like I just want someone. I just want a sting. Come in here and totally mess him up and take the belt. Uh, you know, if if that worked out for Sting.
0: <laughs> well, see, well, the reason in terms of storyline is a uh, few months back, Martin Kirby had won the the right, and he was the the general manager of the promotion. So he was like, I'm giving because this was when they were trying, they were first starting to do their what culture extra thing. So they were like, oh, we want people to. To, you know, subscribe to our thing or whatever. And uh, they were kind of getting away at the time. They were kind of getting away from the free shows, the loaded shows. And so, but he, you know, he was like, I'm general manager Martin Kirby and I'm going to give away a free show on YouTube and it's going to be called Kirby Mania. So, of course, Joe Hendry, knowing what uh, the way that Joe Hendry. Uh, won the title from Martin Kirby and things like that. He's of course going to say, you know, well it's going to be Hendrymania now. Is is the next show and all this stuff. Um, I, I like especially because I've seen from the beginning of the promotion until now. I like this this thing they're doing with him. I think you know they brought in they brought in Kurt Angle and it was great because you know uh, it was Joe Hendry versus Kurt Angle was the one of the, the first matches there that, uh, Angle had. It was a fantastic showing. Angle won, which I was, at the time, I was like, oh, I don't know if that's right. Should Angle have put over the, you know, the, the, the younger guy, the up and coming guy or whatever? But, you know, Hendry was like, you know, it's fine. I'm still going to keep going. I'm going to keep, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight for good and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, it was Angle's last match on UK soil, they said. And, uh, he defeated, uh, I believe he defeated Alberto El Patron. And uh, Hendry came out, raised his hand, and they, everybody was like, oh, good for you. You know, you know. He even though Angle beat him, he's still showing respect to his hero and whatever. And Hendry gives him the low blow. And that's how he turned heel. And ever since then, he's been doing all of these dastardly things. And I dig it. Because you know that at some point, he's going to get his comeuppance but they have to build him up as, like, this ultra heel first. And I would argue, honestly, if you're hating him, he's doing his job.
1: Yeah, that's why I, you know, that's why I said he must be a good heel. <laughs>
0: um, and, of course, I think El Ligero is a, a great wrestler. He does dip into the comedy, but then you watch a match like this and there was pretty much no comedy. It was just a straight-up, like, brawl wrestling match which i really really liked yeah
1: yeah that was cool that was something different from the rest of the show
0: um but yeah definitely i would say it not as good as the bailey o'reilly match that was probably my match of the night um but that was the the last one the singles match non-title match uh the prestigious one joe henry or joe henry sorry defeating uh el Liguero. um what did you think of the card overall?
1: It was good. Uh, like I said, there really wasn't a bad match. There was a bad finish, but there wasn't a bad match.
0: Correct. I would I would agree with that, yeah. Um, I believe the next one that we will be... Actually, it was recorded the day that we are recording this. The German qualifying round of the Pro Wrestling World Cup... And in a few days from now is going to be the Japanese one. And then towards the end of July, it's going to be the U.S. and then the rest of the world. So I'm I got to say the Japanese one, of course, I'm excited for. I, I can't wait because I, I figure you're going to have a lot of great insight. I know you're probably the the out of our little group of uh, wrestling friends. Uh, you're probably... You or Brian, of course, who was on a previous episode, you guys will be the top ones that I would go to for New Japan knowledge. I can't wait for that. But I have to say, I know almost no one from the Germany uh, uh, brackets. I know one guy, bad bones. and But I, that's one that I, I'm pretty excited for is the German qualifying round because I'm going to get to see all new people, become a, maybe become a fan of some of them and... Yeah, I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, you make a good point. Like, you know, if I were asked, okay, which show are you looking forward to the most, I'd say J- you know, Japan, because like they're awesome. There's a lot of awesome dudes that are gonna be in that tournament. Uh but I mean I haven't even looked at the German bracket, but I would imagine I'm not gonna recognize anybody's name. So I'm I'm excited to see something new. Right. Um
0: But yeah, other than that, I, I, I mean I don't have much left on the uh, the Canadian uh, section, the Canadian card. Do we have anything else we want to discuss in terms of wrestling or anything like that before we sign off?
1: Uh, just that you should watch more New Japan, I think. Everybody should watch more New Japan.
0: I mean, it's literally it's taking over Parts of the wrestling world, parts that it's never necessarily been in before. So I would agree. Uh, uh, we talked about it. We'll, we'll tease it right here, I think. Uh, we talked about potentially, co- almost like we're covering this World Cup, we're thinking about doing a series where we cover some of the New Japan uh, tournament-style uh, things. So uh, I'm I'm excited about that because I mean hopefully there will be some names that I recognize maybe there will be some people that I recognize but like I said I'm um... gonna... what's that
1: I said there's there's a lot of ROH guys in New Japan right now so there's a good chance you're gonna recognize somebody
0: okay but I mean even if I don't I'm really excited to to see new people with new styles I mean when I got when I got back into wrestling overall. Uh, last year, I knew some of the guys, you know, uh, you know, I Brock Lesnar was there when I was watching Triple H, of course, was there when I was watching uh, way back. But there was a lot of new guys that I had never really seen or heard of, whether it was because they were on the independence or they were just, you know, top WWE guys. Uh, you know, one of the first matches that I really remember from uh, WrestleMania weekend last year, of course, was the Nakamura Uh, Sami Zayn match and that made me an instant fan of both of those guys and now anytime that they're uh working on the pay-per-views or anything like that I'm instantly like I perk up for their matches I like Kevin Owens he has a, a different different style than what I had seen and as much as I constantly defend the 80s 90s era of pro wrestling um Which didn't really feature a lot of in-ring competition, especially the Attitude Era. There weren't many matches that went over five to ten minutes. Uh, And I will admit there are certain matches now, even if it is a Sami Zayn match or a Kevin Owens match or whatever, where I do get, I mean, maybe I'm a terrible wrestling fan, but I do get a little bored because it gets to the point where some of them it's just a matter of let me get all my cool moves in before the before the match is over. I do enjoy those matches. I do enjoy seeing the different styles. I enjoy seeing the different styles go up against each other a lot of the times. So I'm really looking forward to watching New Japan and seeing if it will live up to the hype.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be cool. And you know, regarding your whole like WWE match is gonna be boring. That's the system, definitely not the wrestlers. Unless the wrestlers are part of the, you know, they were brought up in the system and they were never indie guys, then it's probably, you know, interchangeable.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I would assume if I went back and I watched like a Kevin Steen match, but I mean, I know, uh, uh, you know, Jim Cornette has made that argument on, uh, you know, several times about the fact that like, a lot of these guys now, and he's actually, he said it about, about Kevin Steen and, and some of the others when he was uh, in in ROH or TNA or this, that, or the other thing about how they don't necessarily, they don't sell as well, which if you and I have talked about. That's a big thing for me. I think you need to, to sell a lot of what your opponent is doing. But I also think that they're trying to, Let me get, you know, I have all of these crazy moves. Let me try to get them in. Not like the, you know, they say about Kevin Nash or Bret Hart where they only have, you know, six or seven or ten moves where it's like, oh, like that's all they could do. These guys have, maybe they have 20 moves, but they, they have to get all 20 in in every match. And I don't think it has to be like that, in my opinion. You know, you don't have to get every... Every flip that you know or every, you know, like not everything, not every move needs to be finisher quality because that's the move that everybody should almost pop for is your finisher, not a move two minutes into the match.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree.
0: I mean, maybe that's a that's Maybe that's a rather old school mentality. I don't know. But that's just my opinion.
1: Well, I'm sure. I mean, I respect your opinion, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure somebody else respects it.
0: <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just uh, outdated, and maybe as much as I as much as I don't want to say it, maybe I do have more in in common with Jim Cornette than I think. Um, I'm not necessarily the biggest Jim Cornette fan. Not his biggest detractor, of course. I wouldn't like file a restraining order against him or anything. Uh but, uh, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, if we, don't, if we don't have anything else, I think that might be the, uh, the end for us here. For now. For now. Uh, of course, we will be back to talk about more New Japan stuff. We will be back to talk about uh, the German qualifier, the Japanese qualifier. Maybe one of these times I'll have to get you on where we don't talk about wrestling, Zach, maybe let people get to know the real Raging Bull, Zach Tonkin.
1: I don't know, man. Being a mystery is kind of alluring. I like the <laughs> guy that nobody knows anything about.
0: I mean, I, I guess if we ever if we ever do like a a video version of this or something, I guess you'll have to wear. Well, I have I have a bunch of uh, wrestling masks here, but they're all uh, already known people. Maybe we'll have to get you your own your own wrestling mask. So no one could know. I did want to ask you something though. You, you know, we often joke about like, Oh, if we ever became wrestlers or whatever, would you call your finishing move? The China shop?
1: Absolutely not. No. Okay. Sorry.
0: <laughs> um, on that real sour down note, I guess I will, uh, I will sign off. Uh, of course I'm Paul, That's been Zach. Thank you once again, Zach, for being on the program.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me.
0: Anytime. And uh, we will talk to you all next time. Bye.